Welcome to the Empower Your English Learner podcast, where we explore research, instructional strategies, leadership practices, and community initiatives that move the needle for English learners in school systems around the country. If you are a teacher, a school-based administrator, a district leader, or anyone who wants to do more for this group of students, then we are your home. In these episodes, we will explore ways to actively engage English learners in learning in the classroom, how to empower them so that they can achieve at higher levels, and how to ensure that they're more engaged and connected in the school community. We look forward to going through some ideas with you in our upcoming episodes. Good morning, change agents. My name is Sandra Blotner, a 26 veteran in the field of public education and absolutely committed to moving the needle for this group of students, our English learners, and what we can do to make sure that they're learning and they're engaged and they're actively involved in the school community. Well, in past episodes, we've been talking about just the work that needs to be done at the school and district levels to really make sure we're getting at some of the real issues behind the underperformance that we sometimes see in our schools in our districts. Um, we've talked about the needs of the students, both academically and linguistically. We've talked about instructional models and what that might look like. We've also talked about some of those um, practices that have been moving the needle in various districts like um, Great Council of Great City Schools and Rhode Island and New York and Washington and how various models can make a difference. Today, I'd like to focus in on another aspect um, of what our English learners need, and that is the social emotional learning needs of our English language learners. If you think about the learners in your district, and I want you to, to go back, think about your school, think about your district, and think about how many students in your district are, have come to you um, who may be undocumented, have come to you with, and they've traveled across the border, either by themselves, in groups, without adults. Um, in some cases, they've seen people die in front of them. In some cases, they might have seen, um, they might have been raped or seen someone else get raped. In some cases, they've seen things happen, you know, people being captured and held in detention centers. So when we think about that condition that might have happened for how some of our English learners come to um, your classroom, to your school, to your district, it's so important that we understand trauma and the impact that it can have on students. That is, so we talked just now about them crossing the border, leaving everything behind, coming into a new culture, trying to learn a new language, trying to find a home. And in some cases for some of our older English learners, some of them actually might be working they might actually have come to a relative that they're being reunified. That's another term you need to be aware of is reunification. So that is sometimes, and this happens to so many of our English learners, where one parent or two will go across the, the ocean or land to 
move because they're looking for opportunities in a new land. In many cases, the United States could be Canada, could be other places. But so they come to the country and they're working hard. And of course, they have images in their heads of how much more opportunity is going to be here challenges that sometimes they face is when they come that even the degrees they bring with them may not be honored in this in the United States and so they literally are starting from scratch and of course once they're kind of in that um, I'd call it like that little wheel, like that, that little hamster wheel, right? Trying to ma- earn, make money and, and find a place and send money home and then try to figure out, try to save enough money to get to the kids. And in, in some cases, if it's difficult to get work because they may be undocumented, they might have to do day laboring work. Um, in some cases, um, they're, maybe they're an Uber driver. They're doing all kinds of things to just survive. And it makes it really difficult. So on top of the trauma that some of our students are bringing when they're coming across the border, what they've seen, some of the horrors they've seen along the way, then they come and they come to a home where they might be reunified with a family member, but the family member, maybe they've moved on, they have um, met someone else, they have additional children. And of course, then that comes that guilt of, well, how come you left me, you abandoned me back in whatever country? And, and now this other sibling has had all of these benefits and all of these, um, you know, they've been cared for and loved and they've had all these opportunities. And even if it's a a difficult financial situation, that feeling can be there. So that is a real issue around reunification and things sometimes cause issues. So we have the coming across the border, we have reunification. We also need to realize that culture shock can be a very real thing. So you leave your country, you leave all the people you know, the customs you're used to, the practices, everything. In some cases, they might have been financially okay, then they came and they were struggling. In some cases, they were financially struggling, which is why they left. Um, In some cases, the family members that are left behind, it could be an uncle or an aunt who was taking care of them, and they were being taken care of with the parents sending money. And that's a whole nother episode we'll get into where sometimes that family member that is left in the country will make sure they get to school, and sometimes they don't. And so when they don't, then they end up with interrupted education. So there's so many different layers that could be impacting the student. And it's so important that when the students are here with us, when they're in our classrooms, they're in our schools, they're um, in the school community, that they feel as if they're valued. They feel as if they're heard. They feel as if they're understood. And in some cases, it could be the teacher who is really helping to strengthen or even build for the first time a strong academic identity for students. So it's so important to make sure that we're thinking about all of these aspects when we think about our students. So what are some possible solutions to and supports that might be put in place that can really make a difference for this group of English learners who are trying to navigate a new world, right? So that's really how we need to think about it. Just think about that empathy. And one of the things that I've learned as I have engaged with students with interrupted education, as I've engaged with students who have gone through trauma is, these kids are some of the grittiest kids on the block. And if we understand the power that they bring to the fact that they actually 
some cases came by themselves. Some cases they're emancipated minors, right? And so how do we understand and leverage that grittiness and value that? So we're talking about valuing their linguistic assets that they bring with them. They come, they're not coming as blank slate. They come with language. And remember, language is about thinking, right? So your language reflects thinking. So they come as thinking beings that have language. And we're trying to figure out how we can get their cognition to be visible in the new language, right? So that's just one thing, just to put it out there, that we know that they come with a, a set of brilliance, of intelligence, that we need to learn how to activate in English, right? Um, and we need to also, while activating it in English, still value their home language so they can see themselves and understand that we value their language, their culture. Um, we think about their cultural identity. So it's really important that they see themselves in the text that they're reading so they understand that their identity, their cultural identity matters and they matter, right? And then comes the other part. So what are those supports that we can put in place so that they can truly feel valued? Um, some of the things that I've seen really make a huge difference. And this was, I mentioned earlier, uh, the work group that we had. And this was as we were benchmarking with other districts and doing that root cause analysis process, really making sure you had a robust parent outreach program is in place. And that parent outreach program should be touching them in every single school in the district. So we're looking at making sure there are things like coffees, coffees with the principal in Spanish. So you have that um, bilingual staff member or parents that are there that help to co-facilitate these sessions, making sure that you're looking and exploring at using circles, right? Um, and there are various community circles. Um, some might also call them study circles, but they're circles where there are places where staff and community can come together and sometimes with students to really understand and explore issues around race and equity. And that can be a really huge impact as well for our students. So that's another aspect to think about. And when I when it's been done well, these sessions can be run in English, they can be run in Spanish, they can be run in bilingual kind of a setting so that you have both languages represented. And you're able really able to build that bridge between the parents, the students and the administration. So that's just something to consider around the parent outreach. Then we're also considering the counseling aspects, and there are various ways to address the counseling needs of students. It could be that there are individual um, counseling sessions where counselors build those relationships with their English learners, and that can be really helpful. It could be that there are group sessions around specific topics. Sometimes it might be around reunification. Sometimes it could be around bullying. Sometimes it could be around, you know, kind of adjusting. It could be around kind of like, what are those academic supports needed? So whatever those are, putting those counseling sessions in place. And in order to do that well, you usually need to have some staff in the buildings that are supporting that. And the way I've seen it done well is there are a cadre of these counselors that are linked to the district office and they're assigned specific schools and they go out and they provide support. So that has been one model that's worked very effectively. You can also do a similar model around the parent outreach supports by making 
sure that you have parent office folks that are linked to the district office. They have assignments to different schools, and then you work out ways to kind of track the supports provided, as well as making sure that you're tracking the counseling supports, and there's a way to really see like who's receiving those supports. Also found it very helpful to make sure that whichever languages you have in the district, you have represented in the staff, in the parent outreach staff, and you have represented in the counseling staff, because that really helps to make sure that you're able to make those connections. One program, and there's a network out in California that produces um, a program, La Cultura Cura, that really looks at how do you have those circles in place for boys and for girls and really work on the social emotional needs of the students and understanding that in many cultures, they are communal, that they are ones where they have learned to be integrated as a community. And so leveraging that and using the wisdom, the collective wisdom of the community and the group of students working together to be able to effectively meet their needs. Well, I hope this was helpful for you. I know that when we think about addressing the social emotional needs of our students, it can be tricky. And it's so important that those parent outreach supports and the counseling supports all are reflecting the faces of our students. Very, very important so that we can make sure that they are growing Growing and they are being, their um, culture is being honored, the language is being honored, and they feel valued. Well, I hope this episode was helpful for you. I hope that as you think about those parent and counseling supports you put in place, that you really make sure that you are considering the cultural component in it, as well as those social emotional needs of your students. Well, I hope you got a lot out of this episode. Until next time, be the change that you want to see in the world. Take care. Visit us at createsolutions.us and let us work with you to develop diverse learners and leaders so that they can become change agents in their fields of study and industry.